Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to The Game with me, Gabriel Marcotti. My aim is to make sense of the weekend's biggest football action, and I am lucky enough to have the company via Skype, registered trademark, of Matt Dickinson, Tony Cascarino, and of course, Rory K. Smith. In 40 minutes' time, that should make everything crystal clear. Our focus today is on faltering Manchester City, rising Everton, and all that uh, nuttiness that took place at the DW Stadium. I'll also be asking my panel why English sides have been um, not that impressive in the Champions League this year, or last year, or the year before. But let's start at Goodison, Everton and City. Now, um, Everton are kind of a, a, a bogey team for your mate, um, Roberto Mancini. Isn't that the case, Dicko? Uh, we're very close. Very, very close. He was he was, he was around yesterday for tea and, and muffins. Why have the what? wheels come off at, at City? And I, I don't just mean like in terms of results, because the reality of the Premier League is, I think this season, and we'll get into this more, most of the top teams play badly. The difference is that this team seems to play badly and 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 just not produce and, and, and not get... Well, it's been, a, it's been... I mean, I think there's a lot of answers to that um, question in no particular order. Um, we've seen um, Mantini, I think, wrongly um, keep harping back to transfers that didn't happen last summer. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's banged on more than he should have done about, you know, the fact that City didn't, having already assembled the most expensive squad of all time, should have gone out and spent another... 50 million on Van Persie and Javi Martinez etc um, I, I, he spent too much time looking back and moaning about that they've had problems with Yaya Torre um, going to the African Nations Cup not coming back with the same not playing nearly as well this season individual losses of form Joe Hart individual loss of form I think there's been a collective um, yeah, complacency at times which again you know Mancini has moaned about and said that that's that's why you need extra signings well, you know, throwing money at it is, is the only solution to that problem. Then, you know, he's not half as good a manager as he'd like us to think he is. Um, I think the team, that's, has, there's been a lack of pace about a lot of the teams he's picked. We know, we know he doesn't like 
orthodox wide players, but even you know even by his standards, there's some of those teams he's, he's selected have just looked really turgidly slow. Um, and I would say um, Saturday's was one of them. Um, I, I could go on. Yeah, I, I Roy. That's I mean I pretty much agree with uh, with just about everything Dicko said, and I I find it disappointing because having seen Mancini in Italy, one of the things he was very good at is actually working with a team, working with what he had, and and giving a, a team an identity, uh, a way of playing. Um, I think simply bad, stupid PR to go and keep going back to Marwood and Van Persie and whatever else, using that as a crutch. It's stupid PR to talk about Mykon and Rodwell being injured because, you know, with all due respect, like, did you really need these guys that much that, you know, they're crucial? There's still a bit of a mystery to me. If I were to ask you which city players have produced more this year, performed better this year than last year, you might you would argue Tevez for obvious reasons, but is there anybody else? Well, I suppose Nastasic. Because he wasn't, oh, because he wasn't there. But in terms of in terms of someone who's right. been a, been a success, Nastasic, um, and that's probably about it, isn't it? Really, there's no one else who's. who's Cl- cliche might have a better season. Cliche maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zabaleta's been their best player yeah. this season. Yeah, but Zabaleta, Zabaleta, Zabaleta was excellent last year yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, but in terms of Aduero and Silva, the one thing I would say about Mancini, even even in winning the title, and this isn't meant to sound like being sort of wise after the event, even in in the lead last year City really reminded me of Mancini's Inter in that they had quite a lot of good players and they were impressive on an individual basis but I never actually felt and you'll know much more about the about the, his Inter team than I do but th- that Inter side to me never looked like it, it had a plan beyond here are 11 good footballers in some way we'll win, we will win this match and City I think, I think you're thinking of late Inter possibly, possibly of, later Inter on Inter with Ibra yeah, possibly, um, possibly. Which is always a problem when you have that guy yeah. in the team. I mean, but City, City looked like that to me last year as well, and even more so this year, except that the, the players aren't playing quite as well. Mancini, I think Mancini's kind of constant, the tension that he seems to seat within his management has maybe influenced morale in the camp. They don't seem to have that fighting spirit. It may be, as Ditto says, complacency set in, that they felt that they, that they could win games regardless, and it's just not happened for them. I think that their season now, 15 points, I think, is the same gap in England as there is in Scotland. That, that's pretty damning for Man City. You're looking at me, Gab. You sound like you have something to say, Cass. Tony, Cast- yeah. Tony Castorino is going to speak. Poor management, totally, from Saturday's p- perspective. Um, before the game if you're a manager like we all do we all do prep work we look at what we think we need to you know look out out for you know as a manager you look at the opposition you think what are their strengths what are their weaknesses all that happens in the week leading up to a game if you think you can enter a game on Saturday and play Everton and have no one oppose Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman who had the freedom to just run riot down the wings then honestly you've got it totally wrong I can't believe Mancini has entered that game with a formation that allowed Everton to be just running at them at will caused them so many problems and I tell you what even when it went to 10 men I don't know about you guys but I thought Everton was so comfortable with 10 men against the champions he got it totally wrong and he got it, I think, as poorly wrong Saturday as he's got it wrong all year. Um, yeah, they didn't have Aguero, they didn't have Yaya Toure, and yet players are not playing as well. But you've got to get it right. You've got to get your organisation. Wigan absolutely destroyed Everton the week before, 3 0 at, at, at Goodison. Their tactics were superb. They exactly stopped Everton doing what they're good at. 
and yet a week later the champions go to Goodison and put in a performance where they just looked like they were bewildered they didn't know you know where it was all coming from and it was obvious the two wide fullbacks are a major asset to Everton in the way they play okay, we tell you, just to, I love Seamus Coleman mm. um, I, I think in, in, sometimes, in, sometimes, no, yeah, in a platonic sense. Yeah. Uh, sometimes wish he was he moved to a different country where I think his skills would be more appreciated than here. But we're not talking about somebody who's played at a, at a you know, at a Danny Alves type level all season long. No. So to some degree, it's like, oh, look, what do we know about Coleman? Oh, yeah, he's young. He's kind of inconsistent and stuff, and he's going to be playing out on the flank. I mean, what? But, no, but you've got to try and stop what that gap. We've seen enough of Everton. You know that that's one of their strengths. Liam Bames goes up and down that wing. And, do you have no one against them to stop them? You've got to put players to make them right. not do what they were doing. I'm sorry, you're going to fall flat on your face. If you, if you think you're going to take on Everton in that manner and not get your tactics right, you are going to get what happened to them on Saturday. Well, no, for- it's one of the problems, isn't it? I mean, the city, city being bogged down through I mean, a very narrow team. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's, they played a narrow team a lot of last season as well, but they're playing, you know, as, as, as Tony says, it's, 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 A, it's not responding to the other team, and B, it's... To say it's a lack of it's a lack of dynamism about them. I mean, I, I, thought, I mean, I only saw the highlights, but I mean, it, there, there was a, an awful lot of of standing still, um, mm. um, even even from watching watching those clips. Well, and that's, get, Matt, that, speaks, well, that speaks partly of tactics, but also of does speak of you know. We hope to hate to reduce the game to simplicities like hunger, but I'm afraid mm. City have been repeatedly lacking in it. And Matt, you touched on it earlier. You said they're quite ponderous. It reminded me of when Chelsea went Mikel Lampard. Um, you know, and they had that type of midfield where they had Garcia uh, in midfield with Gareth Barry and Mill. It may just looked a bit ponderous, but the, you've got to stop Everton's width, the wide fullbacks. You've got to the, just, yeah, on, just on the sorry. just on the issue of ponderousness. Yeah, I mean, Yaya Torre obviously last year was kind of this force of nature who who drove City, drove City mm. to the FA Cup the year before, and then drove, kind of drove them to the title. I, lo- I, I love Yaya both as a footballer and as a man because he is a fantastic man um, in every single way. But he looks Yaya looks like he's bulked up too much. He looks he looks like he's been slowed down by his muscle mass, and that's true of quite a lot of City. They're a big side, and I think Mancini wanted that. But you, th- there is a balance to be struck. Gab looks very very cynical about this. Oh, he's maybe not interested. No, no, no. I, be, I, I am interested in what you his, have to his say. Look, his looks I of just, cynicism and boredom are very similar. He's played, he's played him deeper I, in a lot of games I've seen as well. I mean, he's less. I mean, I thought that. I mean, one of the Mancini's greatest sort of hits um, of his time in uh, in England was 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 reinventing Yaya as this rampaging. I mean, a sort of a number ten of a type we'd never seen before. Um, well, so sorry, sorry if I jump in there, but I have to do it. I have to be sort of the Euro snob here. We had seen it, of course. Sticko, because as you know, that's the position he played when he played for Monaco when we were all watching uh, Ligue 1 back some sort of seven or eight years ago before he went to Barcelona. Well, aren't you clever? Those of us who weren't watching France, French league football 87 years ago were struck by how... Uh, but, because he didn't when he first came, he didn't certainly play him in that role, and it, it sort of developed quite quickly. And but then mm. say that it's, it's not just. I mean, the, the fact that he was off um, playing Africa for six weeks didn't help. Yeah. But he's not he, as fit, Matt. He's not as fit as he was last year. No, no I think no. that's the big difference. 
um, there will inevitably be talk about Manchester City finding a new manager. Fortunately, that whole idea that, you know, because Chiki Begelistein played with Pep Guardiola and worked with him, that Pep Guardiola should do everything that Chiki says and come and join him at City. Hopefully that whole theory's gone out the window now. Um, but what does... Cass, I want to ask you, what does Mancini need to do between now and the end of the season? If you were Khaldun al-Mubarak, considering what managers are available out there, what would he have to do between now and the end of the season for you to persuade him that he's the right person to continue this project? Um, Winner-style football matches that are going to convince the owners that they will challenge next year. Well, you're the owner in my scenario. Well, I would be looking very closely at the next, what, nine games to go. I'd be looking closely, you know, how they perform, how the team is looking tactically, players in general, looking at me individually, is he he overachieving? I think one of the biggest tests for managers is if you can overachieve with your personnel, what you're getting out of them, are you getting the best out of them, why are they not playing so well this year? So all them questions, they've got to perform to a very high level between now and the end of the season for the owners to go into next season with not feeling too bleak about things with optimism that they can challenge again next year because they have spent fortunes in in many ways wages and transfers so they should be challenging Uh, Mm. the one thing I would say is that as far as as far as we all know, the the, the sort of noises coming out of City are that Al Mubarak and um, and I guess the Sheikh, I don't know how involved he is on a day to day basis, uh, are still pleased with. Like, it just rings up from Abu Dhabi how Scott Sinclair trained. Um, the uh, Taldin Al Mubarak and Mancini have a good relationship. The owners at City have have faith with Mancini. They've been very keen in the past to sort of distance themselves from that Abramovich model of foreign ownership, Ooh. where something goes wrong, sack the manager, and if you look around Europe there's not now that Pep's at um, at Bayern they, there's not necessarily a kind of standout candidate I, I personally think City are a little bit beyond where they need wow. Mourinho I think they don't want that kind of that kind of figure. I think his not only his relationship with Chiti and with um, with Ferran Soriano would count against him, but also his the kind of the circus that comes with Mourinho. I think is something City don't want. I, I think that's. I mean, Ducker's been saying that. Well, time. they say yeah. They say they say categorically that won't happen. Simple as that. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's you know there's, the steers are always don't don't go there. So I mean, I agree, with Rory. I mean, you, you have to, there's no point in getting rid of Mancini unless you're pretty sure you're upgrading now. That you know, so uh, there you know the balance is pretty fine. I think. I mean, it, there are a lot of reasons to be frustrated, very frustrated by this season. But um, it's not so easy just to click your fingers and rustle up um, a better manager. Um, Cast David Moyes obviously is taking to the end of the season of his contract. I feel like you know, there's the same argument every year. Everybody says he's good and whatever else. If you were Ken Wright, and there's rumours of, of would he go for Roberto Martinez or stuff like that do you think Ken Wright's thinking of a plan B in case Moisey doesn't come back has to you always have to be prepared with players with managers you have to be prepared to what you can lose what you're going to get to get in um, because I'm sure that Ken Wright will do who his make, utmost who has impressed you you pay more attention to the lower leagues than I do um, anybody anybody impress you what as a, as a manager yeah apart from Roberto Martinez which is Pretty obvious, and I think also given he turned down Liverpool a year ago. I don't know that. No, I think he'd, I think he'd probably go this summer, Roberto. I think he probably knows that. But not to Everton. Obviously. No, I think he'd go to Everton. I think Everton's. A, I think Everton is the right would be the right job for him. Why would he go to a club that clearly? I mean, couldn't I? Would I'm not disrespecting Everton here, but Everton obviously have. Are, are, are you know they're kind of in a financial straitjacket because of the situation? Yeah, but the problem the problem is that with uh, Wigan, as much as Martinez feels as though he owes a debt, I'm not uh, suggesting he should stay at Wigan, but surely no, 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 he can but do he, better than Everton. Well. 
he possibly could, but this summer we don't know. It always depends what job comes up, and I think he know he probably knows that this is the time that he he can't kind of twist again. It's time to kind of to take the to take the job that mm. comes up. I, if you look at what might else what what else might come up this summer, what else is there? Well, in terms provo- of in terms of the lower leads, though, which was your initial question, I think if you look at there's obviously people like Zola at Watford who's doing quite a good job. Gus Poyer at Brighton and maybe be a contender. Gary Rowett's taken Burton to second in in lead two. It depends how much they want to gamble. There's not that many young English managers out there, to, or young British managers, to repeat the trick that Ken Wright pulled off with Moyes ten years ago. There's not many. Uwe Rosler, he's doing quite well. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's another young British manager, isn't he? With a name. Oh, like and that. there's Eddie Howe at Bournemouth as well. He's quite good, isn't he? Eddie Howe's all right. right. Who won League Two last year? He might be available. Oh, some Italian yeah, exactly. fascist salute. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. How original. All right, but we were talking about Roberto Martinez, which provides a, a natural segue on to uh, Wigan and Newcastle. Um, I think there's one place to start with a big talking point from this game. Um, Callum McManaman's tackle on Masadio Haidara, the uh, young 20-year-old Frenchman who was making, I believe, only a second or third appearance for the club and who, of course, uh, came on for uh, Debushi. Um, Dicko, I want to start with you because... Right, there's commitment, there's whatever else. I, I guess we'll talk about what might have gone through his mind, but I'm going to start first of all, you need to pick on a referee again. In fact, how could the referee not have given a foul for this? Because all I can think of, if you don't give a foul for this, then you assume that one of the two players got the ball and there was no contact, and that Haidara didn't just go and somehow injure himself, Right. Well, you could argue, I mean, you could argue basically if he doesn't give anything, then that's that's almost me, more reassuring. The fact that he see, he's seen nothing. I mean, we're still waiting to hear exactly what he did or didn't see from from the clips. What is sort of harder to understand is that the linesman, as far as we could see, was not only had the perfect view, but was again from the highlights, seemingly looking exactly in that direction. Um, he was follow, he was following the ball. So, you know, uh, what Halsey um, did or did not see, you know, at the moment, well, so you, 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 you feel that if he's, given, if he's given nothing, you have to give him the, the, the sort of benefit of the doubt that he, he, he didn't really have the right, the, the, you know, wasn't in the right place or was blocked or whatever. But why, you know, does a linesman, you know, whether he doesn't have the confidence, whether, you know, whether, whether he just what he saw, how he saw it, how he interpreted it. But uh, generally, linesmen, whether they've got the confidence to actually flag something as big as that, to flag, to, to, to tell a referee that he should be sending off something, effectively to be sort of overruling the referee, I, I don't think enough of that goes on. I think there's a bit of a sort of you know hierarchy there that, that linesmen are reluctant to get involved in. But that, that's bizarre because they generally work with the same people most of the time, don't they? Well, exactly, they exactly. Could... But, but, but I think, you know, I mean, obviously they have different relationships with different referees, but... I, you know, to say I, it's impossible to know until you were uh, you know, Halsey's sort of you know in his boots and had had his line of vision. But say from what we can see, the linesman saw it, and God knows why he's not getting involved. It's a stupid thing to do. He should be punished. But let's not sort of castigate him as though he's sort of inherently evil. Mm. It's just a, well, it, no, it happens. Exactly. And then, you know, we're all sort of, I mean, I agree with Rory, it suddenly becomes this sort of search for the inner soul of a young you know, young kid who we don't, you know, no one knows. I mean, you know, Martinez comes out and says he's not that type of lad, and then that will be picked apart as sort of what type of lad is he? You know, I, I agree. I, I think I think well, it's, you know, give this, you know, the guy, the punishment will not just come from the authorities, but in the 
sort of huge exposure that this has got, you know, all over the back pages. He'll be asked about it everywhere he goes. He, you know, there's, there's that. He's, he's got to handle that. And um, in some ways, that's, 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 I, that's punishment enough. I, I, I agree with that. And I just, part of the reason why I kind of went through this with, with, with Cass beforehand was to sort of establish that there's no level of, of premeditation here. It's not retaliation. No. This is just somebody who who made a bad judgment call mm. on the day that something dangerous. I, I do think that, you know, we probably do have to really disincentivize mm. this because these are professional athletes. They're coordinated people. They control their bodies. Mm. Um Without the, the reason we get we have bans for this sort of thing and, and longer than usual bans is to have a situation where you know people won't take chances like that mm. in trying to win the ball, right? Isn't that yeah? That's that's that because this is how people can get. Just, hurt. There isn't there's another kind of aspect to it, which is that that element of the game is now very old fashioned, and I know this mm. is something that me and Tony talked about in the past that that tackling. If you look at the, the whole development of pressing, it's to take the need out to tackle. Because so, all right, so take out the fact that Mamanaman sort of smashes into Hydara's knee. Mm. What if Hydara skips past him? Which is what would you know? It was a bad, it was a bad tackle in the, in the sense that it was poorly timed. Hydara te- just clips the ball away, beats McManaman. What McManaman should be doing, and I'm sure Roberto Martinez would have told his players and just wouldn't press is get to, the, get to the man and don't let him pass you. Block the cross. Don't dive in. We're, we're, the game is, is developing beyond the point where tackles like that are even relevant. So we're kind of... We're, we're, there is, you're absolutely right, we do have to kind of... to ban players to say, look, you're not to do this, this is dangerous, you're endangering other people's careers. But also, I think the game is changing to the point where it, w- it will happen less and less anyway. I, I just had on the, the fact that Martinez took him off, what, what, 15, 20 minutes into the second half, you could tell that from the half time that John Carver incident going down the tunnel and what happened afterwards obviously what we don't know but the kid was clearly affected by everything and and, you know it's hard to people are not going to really sympathise with someone that's putting such a poor challenge but But, but, but let's be clear we're not talking he's not Kevin Muscat no absolutely not no we we certainly don't feel like that Um, by the way just on Carver was yeah, so can you can you just explain great facts? Since you seem to be very well knowledge, can you just explain for the benefit of our listeners about what happened? Because okay, so so at half time before half time, John Carver was on the, the who's the Newcastle first team coach. I think is his official yeah. title. Um, he was on the touchline, clearly very agitated. He then confronted. He didn't confront the referee. He confronted Callum McManaman as he as he walked mm. towards the tunnel, in sort of puce-faced, pointy-fingered rage it went on, he had to be held back by stewards, he, he was having, I think he had a shoving match with Graham Barrow, who's the Wigan first team coach, and Carver, there was a, a, allegedly an altercation in the tunnel as well Carver was sent to the stands, for, and so was Barrow, although Barrow seemed to be sent sort of to the roof of the DW Stadium which is, a, so God knows what he did um, but the uh, <laughs> Carver got quite a nice seat and Barrow stood up there in the in the gantry not even allowed to sit down that's a real that is a genuine punishment but I just, just just on on that it was a bad tackle what Carver did is disgraceful because that happens as Cass says that happens to players from every team do you know what I mean you're, you're one day one of John Carver's player, players will put in a bad tackle goodbye yeah Kabai, well, Kabai got about four of them already. I, I love your enterprise player, but he, mm. he, 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 he's not averse to putting a stud in. It's dist- the people, the hypocrisy and the inability to control their tempers is complete. Is rank. Tico, um, uh, I don't know John Carver, but as I understand, you guys used to be part of the same bridge team. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll chuck this to you. Um, if this were in Italy, I would assume that 
what Carver was trying to do is unsettle McManaman, getting because by that point it's halftime. Presumably he's cooled down, and he's having a go at him to try to mess with the young kid's mind, so he's going to be rubbish in the second half. Now, you guys, of course, don't have those dark hearts, uh, those dark arts here in England, uh, or do you? Or is that what Carver might have been doing? Yeah, there was a bit. Of, it's, yes, there's a bit of that. It's a bit of I don't know if he's sort of playing to the cameras. Wasn't wasn't he the guy who wasn't Bobby Robson once trying to hold a press conference at an airport once where and then behind the door there was a, there was Carver and Craig Bellamy throwing furniture at each other or something. I'm sure there's a story. <laughs> I have some memory. We need, we, we need to get Cork on to that. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that yeah there was a situation with Bobby Robson trying to conduct a put yes where there was a sort of sound of flying chairs from uh, behind the door and sort of Bobby sort of shrugged his shoulders and basically said. Yeah, that's that. That would be my assistant and star striker sorting out their differences. Um, so he's, he's got a bit of form for, shall we say, um, temper temper issues. I think, and uh, as is Craig Bellamy for that matter. But uh, you know, I've, I've, it was it was. Look, if I was if I was the Newcastle bench, I'd have been upset. I, I, don't, I think they you know if we give them a bit of slack, they're entitled to look at. They saw the replay, obviously soon after the incident. They're there, they're steaming. They think one of their players has taken a serious injury from a seriously bad. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A tackle, you know, tempers, tempers are allowed to... Um, this is like 10 minutes after the fact, though, right? Well, yeah, and then, yeah, and he's, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's a pretty unedifying scene of a... Of a Guy trying to intimidate, intimidate. Disgraceful, you know, in fact, is what Rory K. Smith. Called well, it. I won't. I won't go that far. I, I think you know. I think. I think it was you know, it was uh, unedifying, unappealing, but um, you know, worth. It's, it's, we see it. We see it most weeks, don't we? Some dressing, um, heart, you know, sort of handbags um, going on. It wasn't. It wasn't as if it became fisticuffs on the pitch. Um. 
we'll get we'll get into this more, but this is a good opportunity um, unless somebody really feels like they need to talk about Maynard Figueroa's handball leading to Ruda Kone's mm-hmm. goal. No, we don't because we all actually we love Roberto Martinez. Want to stay up, <laughs> and even if he has to cheat, it's okay because hey, Newcastle, you're fine. You can afford to give up the points. Uh, but let's talk relegation though, um, because Wigan are still in the bottom three. It's still a three-point gap uh, with Villa, although, of course, they, they do have that, that game in hand. Um, I'm kind of surprised by how sort of like week on week, like, things seem to change. I, you know, we'll get to this too, but QPR, like, won two games in a row, and all of a sudden, like, oh, Harry's going to do it, Harry Houdini, blah, 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 and then, you know, then they lose this weekend. Um, Reading, of course, they've got this horrible run of games, and they, they don't have a proper manager. Uh you, you check all this stuff in there. We, I think we have a perception that Villa and Southampton are going to stay up along with Wigan. Is, is that mm. right? Does anybody dare disagree with me well, there? They, they, they can't count all three, all three of them can't stay up, can they? Oh, they yeah, can. They, oh, they can. If someone gets, if Sunderland or well, West Ham or... Someone above them. But that's what... I think you will find what's. Sunderland and Southampton have the mm. same number of points. Uh, uh, Sunderland, you know, I know it seems weird. Sunderland are on, uh, are, unless my table of the times is wrong... There seems to be a general perception that Wigan, Villa, and Southampton are going to stay up, uh, that QPR and Reading are going to go down, and that Sunderland are the team that, you know, they're not even getting sucked in there. They have been sucked. They're right. I'm going to defer the same number of points as Southampton. I defer to Chas on this one, but what, what, mm. what he's about to say is perfectly correct. Um, are you going to have a bad to have a go at Martin O'Neill? No, no. What I, I tell you, what what was pretty astounding watching them, you know, against Norwich was the fact that Danny's Graham's come in, looks all out of sorts, looked like the transfers affected him. He doesn't look like players played in and out of the team for Swansea. All you don't year. think it's because he's a Newcastle fan that um, he's trying to purposely get Sunderland relegated? <laughs> Good idea, Gab. Um, also, more worryingly, Stephen Fletcher's totally gone off the boil. You know, he's been kept quiet by the Danny Graham signing, but he's gone way off the pace. Adam Johnson's performing indifferently. So there's lots of worrying signs. They're losing football matches, Sunderland, and now they go a fixture run of three very, very tough games where they could easily not get any points from, which could easily put them again in it. I looked at the performance yesterday, and watching both games, I was like, God, we're going to look a far better team than Sunderland. And they're just behind them. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Villa got away with a game. They got away with it because they could have easily been outside, you know, in the first half against QPR. QPR could have been winning that quite comfortably and have ended up Villa nicking the game from a mistake by Cesar, who's, you know, performed miracles. But Sunderland would be my real worry because they're a team out of form and they've got three horrendous fixtures coming. But there's others as well. If you look, at, me, and, me and Tony were looking at the, um, the table earlier. Is it between 12th and 7th? Uh, between eight? Up to Stoke. Yeah, it's up to Stoke. That Stoke dot thirty four, I think. Mm. You'd presume Fulham on thirty six are away. Stoke dot thirty four. There's, I think, seven teams mm. who could all get sucked into it. West Ham aren't playing well. Sunderland aren't playing well. Well, well especially if, if especially Norwich aren't playing if well. Wigan have a run. Yeah. they're the ones who've got twenty seven. We've got a game in hand. If they have a run, that drags all of that pack of six yeah. or seven teams into it. Yeah. Let's go back and talk big clubs, big four-type clubs, historically big clubs who underachieve. Yes, I'm talking about you, Liverpool. Um, first time since 1996, no English sides have made the Champions League quarterfinals. Um, between 2006 and 2009, uh, Premier League club supplied nine of the 12 semi-finalists. Um, since then, I think they've only had uh, four, I think, in the, in, the next, uh, in the next four years, counting this one, because obviously there will be no semi-finalists this year. Um, 
so I've always argued that performance in European competition doesn't really tell you much about the strength of a league and yada, yada, yada. Some people disagree. Um, Rory, you're looking interested. Where do you stand? I think it, performance in the Champions League tells you a lot about, this sounds really obvious, about the strength of the elite of the league. You can judge. You can judge the strength. You copy that from me. Possibly, I copy a lot of things from you, Dab. You're essentially Clearly. my hero. Um, you, you could say that the the lead is only as strong as its weakest link. So the best way to tell is to see who's you know which, which lead has the strongest bottom place club. You could say that it would be the bulk of teams. It would be such a stupid. Thing what? But to what do. a great competition that would be. <laughs> what a brilliant competition if like who's bottom in Serie A? Um, Palermo. Palermo. So Palermo. Are Palermo stronger than QPR. Palermo have had six managers this year, so they obviously. Uh, but none of them have been Harry, which well, is the the big problem. This is true. Um, you could say that the, the I guess the bulk of the strength is is the teams in the middle. Does that's the kind of the bulk of the lead? I think what what's interesting about the Champions League is if you look at the, t- the time when English teams were most dominant, they were never really truly dominant. They only won it twice. That's not, that's a weird kind of dominance. There was the same four teams in it all the time, whereas the Spanish and the Italians were sending two teams who were the same, and then kind of had a rotating cast of others. So you had Celta Vigo and Real Betis and Sociedad, and Udinese were in it for a bit, and blah blah blah. So what happened? Udinese were in it this year. Yeah, that's true. So what happens when you have that sort of situation is that you get two teams who do well like Barcelona and Real Madrid and two teams who kind of don't they're not used to it they don't really have the players they struggle with the, with the schedule blah 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 England is now more in that situation than the situation where you have four teams who are always in it so players know they can go to those clubs because they will be in the Champions League they're used to the schedule all that so it's, it's changed the Premier League's got more democratic is what I've just spent a long time saying Dicko? Um that's partly it I think that's partly it I think um, but I think I mean it's we've all been sort of casting around for trends and um, and I, I don't I, I see that trend in the sense of I don't think there's a particularly um, good top club um, a, there's not a great side in uh, in England at the moment but mm-hmm. I think mostly it comes down to individual reasons you know the, the, the problems at Manchester City are very different from the problems at, at Chelsea the problems at Arsenal are very different from the problems at Manchester United um, so I wrote I a column you know, on this very issue yesterday in fact and that's exactly the argument I made yeah, well, bloody hell, we have great, great minds. minds. Well, it just—I mean, but I think what you're saying is, if you look at the sort of, you know, the the, the tops. In fact, I'm going to call it a top six by revenue um, uh, here in England, which includes a top five plus Liverpool. Probably every single one of them, with the exception of Spurs, um, can say we're playing worse football this year. We're worse off this year. Hmm than we were last year. You may, might make a slightly different argument for, for United, but even United certainly aren't playing particularly well. Mm. And, of course, they're in a situation where they've got a lot of rebuilding ahead. Mm. So the one other thing I, I throw in there, though, Cass, which I think is comes into this as well, certainly if you, if you look at uh, the quarterfinalists this year, is you have a situation where some of the foreign clubs, some of those teams that have reached the quarterfinals, have done exceptionally well. I mean, this Real Madrid side, you know, they had the most expensively assembled team in history in, uh, in, in Pellegrini's first year, and then they went out and spent, spared no expense to get the most expensive manager um, in, in European football. This Barcelona side is coming off the back of arguably, you know, the, the greatest four-year stint of, of any club in the history of the world. Um, this Juventus side is a tremendous investment um, in them. This Bayern side, you know, I, I think it was also a tremendous mm. investment. Um, even teams like Galatasaray, 
you know, they're able to find enough money to go and uh, and get to sort of, Drogba. to expensive rentals. Mm-hmm. It's not really done anything yet, but you know, he's there. So you you have this weird sort of combination. And Paris Saint Germain, of course, you know, we know the situation there is that it's not that the rest of Europe is catching mm-hmm. up the way Wenger said, perhaps, but there are a number of elite resources. sides who are a lot better. Mm. Well, I, I touched on something with Rory last week, and the resources, like you said, at these clubs are huge and far bigger than they've, they, they've been in years before. The one thing that stood out for me is that where I think football's evolved in Europe better, that, that we've fallen behind and they've learned on us. And I, I chatted to Rory and I said, do you know what? The biggest change I've seen in football is without the ball. Without the ball, these teams in Europe are, are far better than we were. If you'd imagine, um, imagined a Manchester United team not having a, a Roy Keane, a Paul Ince, a Brian Robson, you know, that type of player. Wenger talks in the week about the other teams of caught I remembered his Gilberto and Vieira partnership. Was the, the, it was the, literally the infrastructure of a great side. But I think we've lost the ability without the ball. And that's been a huge change for Premiership football for me. It's been a massive change. You know, I think we've fallen behind. Big style. They've got fantastic at it. Whether it was just Barcelona and everybody cloning around it, a lot of these teams, and Juve are again, are a great example. Yes, they put the investment in, and they've, they've and it's been huge. But that side, when you got the ball, they are at you from everywhere. And I think we've just fallen behind. There's too many of our teams are too easy to play against. And I think that showed in the Champions League uh, matches that we saw recently. It would be wise, I think, for the English teams to all watch the, the, the quarterfinals very carefully because there's a lot of teams there that, that they could learn from I, d- oh. I think I think what Wenger said was slightly disingenuous and designed purely as a diversionary technique to prevent people talking about the fact that Arsenal will go for an eight season without a trophy um, despite a creditable win in Munich but I, I, don't, I don't know, it's, do you know Gab you're the, the proper you're the king of the Euro snobs do you not think that there is an element of Kind of because the Premier League had so much money for so long that there was this idea that you know United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Liverpool would buy in the best players from Europe while they were the big four, and then City came along and did the same thing. That other countries, with the exception of Barca and Real, where there isn't as much money in the game in terms of TV revenue and and, and what have you, they've had to innovate much more. And the Premier League's got a little bit complacent with the style of play that that we have and that that we pride we we pride ourselves on. Teams like Dortmund and Juve have had to have had to go to coaches who are a bit different, who've got different ideas, and they've had to kind of take the game on to, to, to another level. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a reason why people say necessity is the mother of, of invention. Um, you know, you mentioned Dortmund there, I think, again, that's sort of a unique case uh, because, you know, they had arguably the best collection of young talent of any club side in Europe that was built over time, and that was built because they spent years overspending and, and they were kind of hamstrung. I I do think there were teams in England that, that have done things that are interesting. Type. I think I still think what, what Brendan Rodgers is trying to do is interesting. Um, I think what what Stoke does, even though everybody laughs at it, I think at least is interesting because it's different um, than what you know most other football clubs do. Um, but and Dick, I, I want to get you on well, this. Well, I, well, well, I was just spending a bit of follow up. But I mean, I agree with. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's, you look at Arsenal in particular. I mean, the, 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 on the sort of complacency allegation, the fact is that they've been, you know, they've pitched their ambitions at, at you know third or fourth, and and been, you know, uh, not without the odd squeak, um, and certainly not this, uh, you know, certainly sort of squeaking um, this season um, more, and, and had problems last season, and, and and occasionally. But if you're pitching your 
your ambitions at, at that, then clearly you're not. You know, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be contesting the for the Champions League itself. So there's been a degree of of complacency, which is why I say it seemed a bit sort of rich of, of Wenger of all people, sort of talking about it as if, wow, you know, this is a slap in the face. You know, suddenly we've got to wake up. I mean, you know, if if any if it was a slap in the face for any club, um, it's Arsenal above all, isn't it? Gentlemen, we have to move on. I, I, I think what is an undeniable fact, though, is uh, if you look at the top five uh, in the Premier League this year, and with the exception of Tottenham, none of those teams, I think, has any kind of has had any kind of coherent tactical evolution. They all have major problems on the pitch tactically, um, and and I think it's something that they all they all need to work for. Pounded at the San Siro by one of the worst inter-teams in recent memory, defeated at home by <coughs> Fulham, and to add insult to injury, uh, a Berbatov goal. Uh, Rory, I think you referred to him as a ghost, uh, so imaginative, uh, in, your, uh, in your piece today. Um, give me some good reasons to believe why this won't all end with another typical Tottenham collapse. I'm not, I'm not sure I will if you don't want to insult my copy. Um, yeah, uh, they're better. Why do you see sarcasm when there isn't one? They're, come on, Gab. The they're better than they used to be. They've got a, a good squad. I think probably outside United, they're, they're the best first eleven in in England. Um, they've got Gareth Bale, who's obviously what probably the, the standout player along, alongside Suarez and Van Persie of this season. Uh, but at the same time, there is definitely a psychological element, element to the run in. And speaking to Vias Boas yesterday, you could tell that there was a slight element of doubt starting to creep into his mind that it might all happen. Again, I don't think it will, uh, but Spurs need to sort of arrest their sl- their slump very, very quickly. Mm, Dimitar Berbatov, the galloping ghost. Um, as some people like to call him. Manchester United have pretty much uh, locked up the title after the 1-0 win uh, over Reading. But, uh, Dicko, what's going on with Robin Van Persie in the past seven games? He has scored as much as you have, and he has just won, in fact, in the past two months. Ah, this is where you're wrong, because yesterday, ball comes over, far post, who rises to head it home but... Well, I, I, I can't be you? humble any longer. Me, who, uh, at winning 4-1, gives the ball 25 yards out, beats a man, ping, top corner, bang, two goals in a 5-1 victory. I, I, I don't know that playing in your back garden with your kids uh, qualifies. Excuse me, excuse me, this was 11v11, full-size pitch, massive, massive game, Machine Mount Primary versus Ishin Primary, local derby. And then you'll you, 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 you pay for a primary school. <laughs> no, the fathers, for God's sakes. Get it right. Oh, yeah, no, right. I beat be a team of 10-year-olds. Um, <laughs> and anyway, I scored two goals. I scored two final goals. So I'm, I, I am outscoring Robin and Percy. But I'm not going to diss him because he, he's the nearest thing we've had to the uh, almighty Dennis Bergkamp. And um, that's good enough for me. He'll be, he'll be back. But can make sure you leave that stuff in about my goals. It's like it won't it won't ever happen again. No question. Thank you for your insight on why um, Robin Van Persie uh, has scored once in the last two months. <laughs> Mostly, just talk about yourself. Uh, now, um, 
You're up next, Cass. If you like, you can tell us about the goals you scored, except, of course, you actually scored them against professionals, uh, not uh, uh, sort of uh, suburbanites in uh, southwest London. But um, Or you may prefer to just talk about Liverpool. Um, Southampton, in fact, pummeled Liverpool just as some of us uh, thought that the Reds had turned the corner. Uh, Cass, what I especially don't understand is why Rodgers thought it would be a good idea to play Joe Allen and Steven Gerrard together uh, as part of a two-man central midfield. Mm. Well, he, he went with that option at the start of the season. It didn't really work. Um, Gerrard underperformed alongside Joe Allen. Joe Allen's found it very difficult to sell in at Liverpool and do what he's good at, getting the ball down, moving it quickly. Um, got to give a lot of credit to Southampton. I thought they were superb. Didn't think that Liverpool would lose the game. Um, but it came down to some really good individuals and particularly Ricky Lambert. You know, not the quickest, but, well, did he have an impact on the game. After QPR's back-to-back wins, everybody jumped on the Harry bandwagon. Rory, are you on board with the Harry Houdini Express despite this defeat against Villa? Or... Will you join me in celebrating Paul Lambert? Yeah, I, when when QPR won their two the two games in a row, I've got to admit at that point, having thought all season long they were down, I thought they might get out of it. I, but you, you look at that gap; it's seven points to <laughs> seven points with. But there's, 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 they've got eight games left. Yeah, we, you can see that you can see them making that up. I've got to admit, you can see them making that up. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, I think QPR is really fascinating. I, I still think they could. Not necessarily because of Harry, and I'm certainly not kind of a, a red nap worshipper, but I, th- I think they could still stay up. But at the same time, it looks like team, the teams from Wigan upwards are starting to sort of gather a bit of momentum. They're starting to realise that things are, are fairly urgent. That might just do for QPR. Consecutive 2 0 away wins for Arsenal after mighty Bayern Munich, the best side in Germany. It's Swansea, the best side in Wales. Um, Dicko, are Arsenal actually any better? Because I was at the Liberty Stadium and I thought they were still. Pretty poor. Um, did I mention I scored two goals yesterday? By the way, that's right. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Going back to that. No, I, I was well. I was certainly in Munich, and I, I, I was um, uh, failed to get excited. By, I mean, excited by the last two minutes, maybe. But I, I thought. I mean, Bayern were beyond awful, beyond dreadful, and um, Arsenal were sort of okay. Um, you know, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't get thrilled by. I couldn't get thrilled by their performance. Giroud was was pretty lousy I thought apart from Cazorla to be honest it's going forward they 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 stunk um, in that game um, and you know the credit where it's due he's changed the keeper he's dropped the myelin the, the back four seems to have um, sort of fin- finally sort of uh, worked out what they're meant to be doing but uh, so there's some yeah there's some uh, advance but I'm not um, yeah I'm with you I'm with you I don't think they're playing still that well despite the two wins Cast Chelsea win again, capping a week in which they uh, come back. Uh, I guess, well, uh, Rafa Benitez said that it was a great three games. I think he means it's a great two and a half games uh, mm. for them. Um, but will you join me in celebrating, since we're in such a celebratory mood today, will you join me in celebrating Frank Lampard, 200 goals mm. for Chelsea? Mm, incredible achievement. Um, Frank's got goals. I think he's made the best out of what he's got. I think that's been well You knew him when he was a kid, right? Well, I, I, I've met Frank. I've had a phone call from Frank, not a very nice one. Um, no, but you I, knew him. He's nice now. He yeah. was mean when he rang you up. But then you knew him before, right, when he was nice? Yeah, he's, he's an okay lad. I mean... <laughs> 
Hey, he's a, he's a, I judge him on a footballer. Right. That's what he is, and he's a very good one that's got, you know, double-digit figures every year, and we have to, you know, we have to give him huge praise for achieving such goals, and uh, tell you what, whoever does get him in the summer is going to get ahead of a player for a year Were he to go to another Premier League club? Um, There'll be it, loads after him. But if, if he was to choose to go to another Premier League club, hmm. um, would it somehow tarnish his legacy a little bit or in, in the eyes of, of fans I mean, what I mean is is that something that comes into consideration to you as a footballer your relationship with supporters and stuff um, well I, I think deep down you have to look at the bigger picture and I think the intelligent fan will respect his decision he's, going, he's been a fantastic servant for Chelsea Football Club um, something that West Ham didn't see, feel with their fans you know they can abuse every game every time he plays them um, you know uh, but Frank's he's been a, I think a, a great performer in many many ways in his ability to get goals and, and be part of a team he's made the most out of his, his, his career Gab, I have, I have one for you. I hear Francesco Totti set another record this past weekend. You've already talked our ears off about him in the past, but I guess you want to talk more Totti, which is why you put this question in the script and put that back heel on Twitter last night. That's entirely correct. Uh, uh, Roma beating Parma 2-0 on uh, Saturday night. Francesco Totti scoring on a free kick. Goal number 226 in, uh, in Serie A. He is uh, now on his own, the uh, number two leading goal scorer. Only needs another 48 goals to, uh, to, to become number one. And he's only 36 years old, Cass. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, has he got time? I figure, you know. 48 goals. 24 mm. goals a season the next two years. Why not? Yeah, doable. Anyway, uh, anyway, he played a fantastic game, emotional game, and there is this brilliant bit of skill, which, Rory, you appreciate. Perhaps you'd like to describe it. Yeah, so he's... Um is it, it, he sort of gets the ball maybe sort of 10 yards inside the Palmer half, played to him from the left wing, and he kind of, first time, he twists his body and flicks it with, it's not quite a back heel, it's kind of, it's with the outside of his boot. I can't really describe it. Put it into YouTube, it's, it's extremely impressive. And then put in Rodrigo today and Aurelio, which Gab in, instructed me about today, which is equally impressive. Uh, that's, yeah, of course the Rodrigo today Aurelio is about 10 years old, but it is one of the most um, impressive uh, bits of skill you will ever see. That's all we've got for this week. It's been fun. It's been real. Thanks to my guests, Tony Cascarino, Matt Dickinson, and of course, Rory K. Smith. Come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts or email us, as so many of you do every single week. It's gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. You can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find news, views, web chats, blogs. Uh, on Tuesday, you get a double dose of me because I have both my blog, where I'll no doubt rant about something, and also my web chat, where I'll be measuring and calm and cool and connected. We're all on Twitter except for Cass, so you can share your thoughts with uh, with Rory, Dicko, and myself. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts with Cass, why don't you go to his house? It's 18 <laughs> Mill Lane, Surbiton. No, I'm just kidding. That's not really your address, is it? No, 19. No, 19, there you go. Till next time, bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.